Hey everybody, I'm um, going to have to apologize right up top. The uh, audio quality on this may not be the best in the world, uh, just using a different mic because I'm not at home, but I uh, hope you guys enjoy the episode. Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of Rebel with the Cause. I have a very special guest with me today, and I've been really looking forward to this all week. Uh, everybody, please welcome Jill Reeder. How's it going? Good. Thanks for having me, Eric. Uh, no problem at all. No problem at all. Uh, this is going to be a completely different episode. I'm leaving all the politics and the uh, bad news alone today. And today we're just going to talk about... Uh, no sugar, no grains, commonly referred to as NSNG, uh, ketogenic diets, fitness, a uh, whole bunch of other stuff maybe. Uh, but first, uh, Jill, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself to the audience who may, may not know who you are. Sure. Uh, so I'm Jill. I'm 40 years old. And over the last two years, I've gone through quite a bit of a journey of uh, turning around, changing my life quite a bit. Um, I've lost 100 pounds and reversed my type 2 diabetes, a bunch of uh, other issues related to hyperinsulinemia running around in my body and causing havoc with a lot of inflammatory issues. Um, and I think that's kind of how you and I stumbled upon each other was through a no sugar, no grains lifestyle. Uh, and, and yeah, here I am, 100 pounds lighter and uh, lot less disease in my body hopefully none <laughs> yeah that's uh pretty much my story as well uh, i've lost over 110 pounds so basically a supermodel um that's fantastic yeah and i have uh, hashimoto's thyroiditis and now they can't find any nodules on my thyroid and everything so okay so this might be me interviewing you the entire time then because <laughs> The Hashimoto's thing is a really hot topic for people doing a low carb diet. And I yeah. know I, I have a lot of people who struggle with that. And um, so man, hats off to you for, for doing this with Hashimoto's as well, because I know that's, that's gotta be a very tough waters to manage. And there's just not a, enough information out there for, for people with thyroid issues. Yeah. My uh, endocrinologist, he kind of started seeing the results and everything after I told him what I was doing. And he was like, no, this is, this is great. Whatever you're doing, keep it up. You know, I'm not yeah. going to step in the way of it. So luckily I got a good one. Yeah. I've heard some horror stories with some of the others. Yeah. So uh, what prompted you to uh, start doing NSNG or uh, ketogenic? Well, you know, I, it's funny because you said, you know, you want to kind of, or you can stay away from the, the politics and, and the stuff that you normally talk about. But the, the funny thing is, is I've, I've told my, I've shared my story a few times and, and it gets into a lot of the emotional stuff, right? But there really is a, I'll call it like an economic and a 
psych psychological background to really what what got me into the place that I was in where I was 100 pounds overweight and super depressed and really not feeling like I had a control over anything in my life. Um, so if you don't mind, I can kind of like step back to my early 20s and kind of describe where I was and how I got to the place that I was at. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, so I went to college at a small little private school in Santa Barbara called Westmont College. And um, tiny little school, there's like 2,000 students and they don't have liberal arts degrees there. You have to pick like economics or psychology or pre-med, chemistry, so forth. So I was an econ major. So I took a lot of macro, microeconomics, um, a lot of math, a lot of theory. Uh, so I was doing that and then um, uh, started dating my husband who lived halfway across the country, swept me off my feet and I moved to Minneapolis. So oh, I went wonderful. Southern California girl to like the coldest, which incidentally is funny because when I was there 20 years ago, it was like the coldest storm they'd had in like 20 years. And now 20 years later, they're having like this coldest storm that they've had in 20 years since I was there last. Um, yeah, pretty much Minnesota stays in the blue on the weather map most of the year. So. Oh my gosh, I feel <laughs> so cold. bad for these these people. Oh, it's just, it's too cold. I, I couldn't take it. I, we ended up, so I was a, I was an econ and a psychology, so an econ major and a psychology minor at Westmont. And then at, when I went to University of Minnesota, um, it was a very different system. They were on quarters. So I went from like, a very regimented uh, a school where they kind of held your hand and took care of you. It was a tiny little school to like this enormous school that was like a city within itself. And I, um, even though I like to talk a lot and I'm outgoing, I'm actually much more of an introvert. So when it comes to parties or when it comes to meeting strangers, it's very hard for me to be like the bell of the ball at the party and talking to a bunch of people and making a bunch of friends. I get very overwhelmed with that and I end up kind of shutting down. And most people think that I'm just being a snob or stuck up and it's more like, I just don't know how to act. <laughs> and so when I went from uh, Santa Barbara where I kind of knew everybody, it was like a small little campus to this enormous place where it was all my husband, well, boyfriend at the time's friends. I didn't know anybody. Um, you know, I just started drinking a lot. Uh, it was a way to take the edge off and just feel a little bit more relaxed. Um, and I felt really lost in school too. And I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I've been thinking about my career in my early twenties and really what women go through specifically because I'm a woman, I can kind of, I can speak to that part of it, but, but I think women in their twenties, are really trying to find their identity and uh and and for me having this big change happen while i was trying to figure out school while i was trying to get through that i just really started just floundering i i didn't know what to do with school i couldn't get into the business school there it was impacted and um i didn't have all the prerequisites that you needed so then i started taking psychology classes there I, I was miserable. Finally convinced my husband, long story short, to move back to San Diego or move back to California. We moved to San Diego and um, ended up at San Diego State, which is a lot easier to get into. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was easier. Actually, their business colleges is, is a, you have to have good grades to get into their business college. I ended up in finance at San Diego State, but 
I just found it like more manageable of a school than than your University of Minnesota. But just I went from like this really tiny conservative college where we talked a lot about macroeconomics and like world economy, country economy, um, how do companies like influence uh, influence markets to San Diego State, which is a very liberal school and talking much more about microeconomics and talking about what's best for the individual. And um, it's kind of like top down versus bottom up. I had these two very different competing ideals that I kind of learned from. Um, And I just found myself like not knowing, not knowing what kind of ideal to adhere to, right? So in that, in the space of business, who am I? What ideals do I have? I feel that way politically too. I'm a very, I don't like talking about politics a lot because I identify with a lot of different sides of the issue, right? Issues on different sides of parties. And I think a lot of libertarians feel that way, right? But, um, so I just never really found like a niche, right? Never really felt like I fit in because I had these experiences from very different worlds. Right. It was like that personally too, right? So I come from a very conservative home, household, but, you know, here I was in college, again, like starting to drink more and more that, but I was married. So, you know, it wasn't like a lot of like single partying. It was, I was super young. I was 21 when I got married. All my friends were single and partying, but I was like the married one. Right. So I never kind of fit into any group. And this started when you really should be creating an identity in your early 20s, right? And so I never really established it. And then I got into, uh, I got a job out of college and just went straight head, head, you know, heads down into working. And I just wanted to be as successful as possible. That's, I was just 100% driven on becoming as, as successful as possible and put off having kids. Um, really, really just like put my head down. And uh, I was working for a commercial real estate appraiser here in San Diego. And, and they're, they're a very respectable firm here. They work a lot with like Caltrans, the city of San Diego. They work with like the Marines and Camp Pendleton and um, the Navy. They just have some big contracts. And they were telling me like, I was making what, like 20 grand out of right out of college. And they said, okay, in, in a year, you could probably be making over 70 grand and like three year, three, four years, you could be making over $200,000. So I was like, oh, I'm fast tracked. We're yeah. going to do this, right. And then my husband ended up getting a job in LA and we're in San Diego. Yeah. That's, that's a little bit of a drive. <laughs> yeah. And so he, he ended up getting a job in San Diego so we, or in LA. So we ended up moving and I was staring at this career that I was going to have to give up, um, this great opportunity that, that I have, and, and ended up giving it up to move um, to be closer to Los Angeles where my husband's job was. So I, I think like looking back now, um, of course all the decisions that I made were like my decisions. I was the person making those decisions, but they were such formative years and I had such influence happening just from my history of how I was raised and, and, but not having like a core 
intrinsic value of how to make really good decisions, right? I just, right. I was floundering everywhere. So I just spent my 20s and early 30s just tumbling. And then I got into working for a real estate company and the subprime lending crisis happened. <laughs> and, and then just everything fell apart. And uh, my career, my 401k, uh, everything that I had built kind of just went by the wayside. And at that point I said, what do, what do I do now, right? Um, so I decided I'm gonna have, I'm gonna, might as well start a family because uh, I just spent like 10 years of my life trying to build a career that just went nowhere. So I guess it's time for kids and I always wanted kids. And so started the process of um, uh, trying to have kids and I, uh, it turns out I had polycystic ovarian syndrome. So PCOS, which is really related to um, insulin resistance and hyperinsulinemia and um, dealing with your hormones, which you can relate to the hormone yeah. issue. <laughs> um, and so I, I struggled for a few years to try to get pregnant. Um, doctors telling me that I had these, these issues with my hormones and I, was, I ignored them completely because all I could hear them saying to me was that I was fat and I needed to lose weight. And right. that would be the problem. And that, that really is not the answer. And that's not what they were telling me, but that's what I was hearing. Them yeah. saying. So I, um, I was thankfully able to have children through the fertility process, had two kids. And by this point I had spent my twenties drinking, doing the low fat, high carb kind of diet, healthy whole grains, a lot of pasta, yeah. but also a lot of pizza and a lot of, um, IPA beer, <laughs> beer and red wine a lot. Um, and so I found myself uh, maybe about 30, 32 years old. And I was 80 pounds overweight with two kids. Um, and at this point, it still was just like a weight thing. I had some issues with, with like my cycle, my monthly cycle, but nothing really physically that except for the weight. Right. Um, but I experienced a lot of postpartum depression with both children. Um, and I was so, struggling so hard with the, I still have my, my job in finance, right? I have this like really, um, stressful, very upwardly mobile, uh, outlook on on my life of what I wanted in my career and then all of a sudden I had babies I had kids that were 24 months apart that needed me and so I found myself in my early 30s like what have I done for the last 10 11 years like where what was the direction what was the trajectory what were you looking for in life because you chased this one thing in business and yet none of that means anything now. And now you have kids that need you, but you can't be around because I had, uh, I was, I was making, you know, like 50% more than my husband was making. I needed to work. It wasn't yeah. like I could kids, but then I had this like depression because I couldn't be home with my kids and I wanted to, and I, my job was really stressful. So I, I just like, it was like this crumbling down of everything that I had built up for the last 10 years. Um, and I just didn't, I didn't see any out. I didn't see any way out. I, I'm a very, like people describe me as a type A personality. I don't even like being called a type A personality. <laughs> so I feel like that's too, I want to control what people think of me. Yeah. <laughs> like ultimate type A, right? Um, 
so I, I just, I, I found myself just, just steadily gaining more and more weight. And then what happened was, um, I started working from home. So I'm not out, I'm not out and about as much. And I started drinking a lot of monster energy drinks Ooh, and eating yeah. Jackbox, uh, breakfast sandwiches and a lot of fast food. And then that just turned into this vicious cycle of like a lot of energy drinks to stay awake during the day. And then a lot of alcohol at night to fall asleep and then waking up in the middle of the night. And I just, I just went on this crash, crash course of really poor, bad nutrition at that point. And my mental health just took a dive. Um, and I was, I was just pretty unhappy for several years, several, several years. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds to me like we've got very similar stories. Uh, it's a, uh kind of the same thing I was just going from one job to another and you know the jack-in-the-box and the McDonald's it's all convenient because oh it's on the way to work or it's on the way back from work and then you know uh, with me it was the rock star energy drink and I remember just getting so mad when the fruit punch flavor wasn't available because it's like oh that's the only kind I like I don't right. have this Right. And then, yeah, drinking alcohol to go to sleep at night. There is nothing better than a whiskey-induced sleep. Let me tell you. <laughs> but then, you know, mid-30s, and then you step on the scale, and it just says E because you're too fat that it won't even read how heavy you are. Oh, you know, he's yeah. like, oh, well, I've got to do something. And then, um, you know, you start getting into the gym, and then uh, just one day I was running on a treadmill, and my heart rate's not going up. It's just kind of staying even. And now I'm starting to feel lightheaded. So now I'm thinking, oh, yeah, here's the heart attack. <laughs> Get off, go to the hospital. They run all the tests and everything. Come back a day later. It's like, oh, yeah, your uh, thyroid uh, hormones are all over the map. You've, oh, my God. Yeah. So it, it seems like we have pretty similar stories there. Yeah. You're lucky that you went in and got that t um, checked. Though. Yeah to find that when they did yeah especially after they tell you what you have and then you look it up and it's like oh you kind of turn into a zombie before everything just decides to quit and you die yeah, yeah. you know i had thought I, I the reason i i found out i had type 2 diabetes was that i um <laughs> i had so much trouble losing weight i did weight watchers several times you could take <laughs> off 20 pounds and then i'd gain 25 back Nutrisystem, you know, Jenny Craig, all these things where I'm starving myself. And yeah. then um, I was talking to my, my cousin and I had this lump in my throat. And I, when I swallow it, it felt like there was a pill stuck in my throat. I couldn't get rid of. Yeah. And she goes, I want to get your thyroid checked. That could be like an inflamed thyroid. That's where your thyroid is. And I thought, great. That's the answer. I hear everybody that goes on thyroid medication is skinny, right? But <laughs> that's what I thought. I thought, okay, I'll go get this checked and that'll be my answer. And I went to get a check. They said I had an ultrasound done of it. I had a scope put down my throat to look at it. Turns out I did not have a thyroid issue. Hmm. I had burned my a hole in my stomach and my uh, esophagus from so much Diet Coke that I was drinking Ooh. that it was just swollen. That my the valve in my throat that was keeping like stomach acid down was swollen. A lot and of acid reflux. Like, a year of that and yeah. i thought oh that is bad that's bad news that, that it's that bad um but that th 
thankfully that I had gone in because that's they tested all my blood and found out that I was um that I had a high A1C and so that was kind of the path to start finding things that would um you know get me on the path to better health because I had tried taking metformin to bring my blood sugar down and it made me really sick and I just I just knew that I didn't want I knew what the next step was going to be because I type type 2 diabetes runs in my family and so I'd mm -hmm. seen loved ones have kind of go through it and you just you end up on insulin that's yep. it's a, a death sentence and I didn't want to go there I did not want to have to be on insulin so I knew that I needed to at least um try everything that I could uh before I b before I was gonna take medication and and really that was that was the turning point for me because this whole time I'd never admitted to myself that, that I was really sick, that I, that there was something that I needed to admit to that was wrong. It was always, well, I'll just exercise and lose the weight. I'll just lose the mm -hmm. weight. I'll just lose the weight. But once I started using the word at the time, insulin resistance, and now we know it's more like hyperinsulinemia. Yeah. But when I started admitting that I have problems with insulin regulation, that I had at least a way, a direction to go in to learn and learn and learn more about it. And that's kind of how I stumbled across NSNG, um, no sugar and no grains. And I think that's the reason that I've been so successful versus a lot of other people who try something like a ketogenic diet is that NSNG is a whole foods approach to right. do it. Right. So you're not eating packaged foods. You're not, um, you're not eating, you're not submitting, substituting junk food for diet junk food. Right. Um, and that's what made it so transformative listening to Vinny Tortorich on his podcast, Fitness Confidential, talk about, no, you need to eat real whole foods and a sugar is a sugar is a sugar, whether it's a sugar alcohol or an artificial sweetener, like it, it's all sugar and it's all doing right. the same body and maybe worse than just a little bit of molasses or, or cane sugar or something. Um, and, and that's when it started clicking to me that like, okay, eat real whole foods, cut out the grains, cut out the processed foods. And I thought, well, I can do this. This seems like a normal thing to do, not like something that is just another diet where I have to count points or count calories or count something and starve myself and be, you know, miserable. Yeah. Yeah, as far as keeping track of everything with an SNG, I mean, there's nothing really got to write down. I mean, uh, with me, it's just making sure that, you know, I've got some kind of piece of meat, some vegetables, and put some butter or cheese on it, and then it's fine. You know? Yeah. If, if he was doing Weight Watchers or Nutrisystem, then you got to pull up the app on your phone and start calculating everything up, and then, um, you know, I see my friends that are on Weight Watchers right now and they, it looks like it just drives them nuts more than anything else because <laughs> they'll be sitting there going, well, I think this is only three points, but yesterday, you know, then you just like, don't do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's a lot of like, I think a lot of self-punishment and even in the, even in like a low carb NSMG ketogenic community, the inter, um, intermittent fasting is thrown around a lot. Fasting is thrown around a lot. And right. I am really hesitant to go there with fasting and intermittent fasting, because if you're eating this way, if you're eating whole real foods, you're eating bone in skin on chicken, you're eating fattier cuts of meat, 
you're intuitively going to go longer stretches without eating. You're going right. to intuitively skip a meal here and there. You're going to forget that you didn't eat that. Like that stuff happens naturally for me, somebody that when I was 21 years old, my first three months of marriage, I was all alone in this little city in Minneapolis feeling very, very alone. I remember the first time I went and binged and purged the first time I did it. I remember going to a little corner market, buying a Ben and Jerry's, and eating this whole pint and then feeling so guilty about it right. that, you know, I made myself throw up and then I made myself not eat for a day. And, and mm. that association for people like me with the restriction of food, it's not a great way to, to manage weight, right? right. Fast is a good way to bring down insulin levels so that your body can start releasing fat but it's not a weight loss tool. It's an insulin reduction tool so that when you eat normally, right. your insulin levels are lower and you can burn that fat. It's, it's people want to say like, don't eat and then you'll lose the weight. That's a really tricky thing to get into, especially, yeah. like I said, coming from where I come from with my background, a lot of women that I talk to that are 40 my age have way more issues than I do with food. And so I try to be really careful about that. Get the nutrition down first, get the basics of the eating um, and let the fasting stuff kind of come intuitively. If you don't have some major overwhelming health, health issue that, that you need the, the fasting to immediately, you know, if you're going to do that, then talk to somebody like my friend, Brian Linskis, low carb doctor here in San Diego and, yeah. and set up like a fasting protocol with the doctor. But yeah. Yeah. With me, um, I'll kind of notice that, you know, most of the morning I'll have coffee with the coconut oil and stuff in it. And then, um, you know, I'm really not all that hungry until about two or three in the afternoon. And then dinner time, it's like, all right, well, I guess I'll get a slice of cheese and, you know, a couple strips of bacon or something, but it's, I, I go so long without food. And then there's even days where I just completely skip it, wake up the next day. It was like, Oh yeah, I forgot to eat yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then somebody was like, well, how can you just eat so little? And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to all the, you know, fat on this uh, piece of steak or something. That's keeping me going for the rest of the day. And, uh, even when I'm working out in the gym, some people will ask, well, what do you eat before? I was like, a glass of water. Right. <laughs> what are you doing after? Right. I was like, I'm going to get a cup of coffee. You know? I know. <laughs> I run two marathon, half marathons in the last two years, and I just ran, I ran on bone broth. I had some bone broth in the morning, and yeah. that's it. And then I took, um, I took some MCT oil and olive oil with me for after the race. That's, that's all I had. Yeah, and that's a recovery. <laughs> Yeah, I was. Not, I'm not a runner. I like the most I can run at a time is five miles, but I was able to push myself to 13, and um, I wasn't sore either yeah. time after the race. Which you see uh, when I did the, my sprint triathlon, you see these people like cramping up after the race, and they're handing out bananas yeah. after the race. Like that is a recipe for cramps right there. Yeah, and in certain circumstances, uh, I've run a couple of 5Ks and um, you can see like the back of their hamstrings just gyrating and you, yeah. you can tell they're in pain. You're like, wow, why are you even out here doing this? And yeah. then of course, after the race, they're all flayed out on the grass and holding like, the back of their leg and stuff. Yeah. And you're like, if you only knew, yeah. I, just, I have this info that I can help you. <laughs> I know. I know we look like lunatics. 
Yeah, sometimes I, um, the, uh, uh, some of my friends will ask me the question, they're like, uh, so what'd you do? I was like, well, um, I know this is southern Louisiana, so no more rice. <laughs> they're like, what? I know. Can I yeah. Not rice? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no rice and no sugar on anything. It was like, wait, what do you mean no sugar? I can't put I sugar know. in my coffee or my sweet tea. I was like, right. no. <laughs> no barbecue sauce? <laughs> no barbecue sauce. Yeah. <laughs> Can I put ketchup? No. It's got corn no. syrup. It's the worst you sugar. Want, you just want them to do it long enough to where they feel better so that yeah. that can like, perpetuate doing it more and more. And that's why like with the Hashimoto's thing, um, uh, I had a friend who tried to do keto. This was like two years ago when I was just kind of learning everything, but yeah. she doesn't like meat. She doesn't like red meat. Mm. So she was using dairy as her fat oh. and you know, I think dairy and Hashimoto's, if, if they have trouble with that. Yeah, so she's starting to feel worse and worse and worse. She wasn't feeling better. Unfortunately, I didn't know enough about Hashimoto's at the time. Um, so she just didn't feel good. And I'm like, dang, because I really think that there's something here if you can stick it out and feel better. But um, yeah, I think you kind of have to do more like a paleo keto approach, right? Yeah, on my side, I'll do um, I'll do red meat, uh, chicken thighs with the skin on it. Uh, I also get uh, calf liver, which uh, nobody else in my house will eat, so I guess it's more liver for me. But uh, uh, try to stay away from the dairy as much as possible. If I'm going to do yeah. cheese, it's going to be like a little bit of Parmesan cheese sprinkled on something, um, uh-huh. um, uh, and just a little bit of heavy cream in the coffee. I mean, like a splash. It's not yeah. like the full tablespoon or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I, um, so you're, you're in Louisiana? Yep. Baton Rouge. Oh. Yeah. Is there, is there a big NSMG community out there? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm the only one. Um, so when I go to restaurants and I order a burger and I tell them no bun, I, I get the look like I started growing a horn out of the side of my head. It was like, what do you mean no bun? I was like, just I know. everything on the burger, just set it on a plate. I got a knife and fork. I'll eat it that way. I know. Whereas here in Southern California, I'm like, don't even lettuce wrap it. Just stick it on the plate. They're like, what? Don't you want the lettuce wrap? It's like, yeah. no, put the burger on the plate and put an extra patty on there for me too. Yeah. Throw an extra patty. Yeah. Get a couple strips of bacon going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, po' boys. That's the that's the big thing down here. And then when you ask for that stuff with uh with no roll, <laughs> you get the looks too. It's it's kinda crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's interesting, you know, after a hundred pounds down and um well one thing that happened and one thing I think that's really important too is that I talk a lot about change and changing things up and not being afraid of change and really mm-hmm. embracing and using change in your life to propel you forward to the next thing because you really don't know where life is going to take you. And if you're holding on to this idea of what your life has to be, sometimes that's the problem, right? And, yep. you know, I, I'm sitting here. So what happened to me was in uh, December of 2016, I got laid off from my job and it was about 30 days after I had started NSMG. And uh, I got laid off from this job that I'd had for like 14 years. And um, and I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. But I thought, I've been through the worst economic crisis of my career, right? 
um, I've been able to have this, this, I've been um, lucky enough to have this job for as long as I had it and build up this experience. So I'm just going to go with it maybe this is my opportunity to take control of my health. And then it just, I mean, I lost 70 pounds in four months. It just came off because I went with it. I think my cortisol levels came down. Cortisol, we talk about it a lot in this health space, but I think people are so stuck on exercise and nutrition, but really that piece of mindfulness and being able to change our thought patterns and I mean, the thoughts are still going to be there, but the pattern of how we deal with our thoughts really does affect our our stress levels and our cortisol levels and how we're able to sleep at night and, um, you know, being able to be mindful and be in the moment with things. I mean, I have two little kids and and it's it's tough to be in the moment with them sometimes. I want to shut it all off and, (laughs) and go and zone out somewhere else, but they, they force you to be in the moment with them. Um, but like the, the funny thing is, is that the drastic dichotomy of where my life is now from where it was. Right. So I was like six figure income, like super upwardly mobile, uh, motivated in my career, um, paying for daycare, dropping my kids off. And now I'm unemployed. Right. I like looking for work, stressed about whether I'm not going to, whether I'm going to make rent, stressed about whether or not when my kid grows out of their tennis shoes, if I can afford another pair of tennis shoes, like now I'm struggling financially, but it's a way better life than it was because my health is under control. I'm not stressed. I don't resent my husband. I don't like hate the situation that I'm in. I like everything was, I'm just like full of resentment. I just, I didn't know how I got to this point in my life. I didn't feel really in control of the circumstances that I found myself in. And the the secret is like, we have the power to change it. We really do. And if you're not afraid of what people think of you, if you're not afraid of what wonderful experiences and people that can come into your life when you start really making decisions based on your core authentic values, like you're unstoppable. It really is. I've met the most amazing people in this community. I like just mind blowing things have happened to me. Even just this weekend at the metabolic health summit, like I have just met some of the most wonderful, positive, motivated people that have no, um, like external motivation for the things that they're doing. It's all intrinsic stuff. Right. right? And that it feels really good to be leading that life. And I know it's going to take me good places and my family sees it. My husband sees it. My kids see it. They see like a complete change in me in the type of person that I am. I would, I, I really think I was on the, on the track to having a heart attack. Like you were saying, you're running yeah. on the trip. Here it is. This is the heart attack. Anytime I would feel pained on my arm. I'm like, oh yeah. It's like, Oh, is this the big one? <laughs> it really is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, strokes run in my family. I have aunts that have had um, TIAs and, and strokes. And I just thought, this is that's going to be me. I'm going to be a vegetable like early in life. And it's not worth it. It really is not worth it. I, honestly, I've been on both sides of it, of having enough money to never have to worry about money 
and now really having to think about money, yeah, it is not worth it. It really isn't. Get having your health and having like the mental clarity that comes with being in dietary ketosis. It, it's worth everything. It really, really is. It's not worth having that bread. It's not worth having that pasta or pizza. It's not. And the longer I go not having it, the few times if I go off and I have something, I feel horrible. I feel it. Yeah. It's like uh, last year for my birthday, I was like, all right, we're going to go to Copeland's and I'm going to have a big old hunk of cheesecake for my birthday. I got yeah. about halfway into it and then um, all the rest of the day, I'm just doubled over in pain. I was like, oh, oh. it tasted good though. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, think, even if I smell it, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to eat that. <laughs> I remember, um, I don't drink anymore, but you know, there was a, I, I had a tapering off of alcohol over time. I, I'm not an alcoholic or anything. I just like the, the, I would go back to it because I was so insulin resistant just forever for it to get out of my system that I was finally yeah. like, why am I doing this? But I remember um, it'd been a year since I had had beer and I went to a Padres game and I had a big 20 ounce Orange Avenue wit. <laughs> and the next morning I put my feet on the ground and my, I had the pins and needles in my feet. I could oh. feel the inflammation in my feet just from one 20 ounce beer the night before. And I thought, well, I'm done with beer. <laughs> Not after that again. That's never a sentence anyone ever thinks to say out loud, you know. <laughs> I know. With beer. <laughs> I know. I mean, yeah. yeah over um, Christmas holidays, I decided to go completely off the wagon. And then um, it's like the next morning, I was like, I drank 10 of those beers. They're like, yeah, you did. You were just kind of passed out in the bathroom. I was like, yeah, uh, we're, we're not going to do that again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. How old are you? I'm 39. Oh, you're 40 in June. Yeah. 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 It catches up. I swear. Once you hit 40, like it's not like it used to be. (laughs) No, now even I stay up late uh, the next morning, I'm like, (laughs) when was the time when I was 19? I could stay up all night and not be affected. I put my kids to bed at eight 30 and then I get in bed. I'm like, (laughs) I'm, I'm an old lady. I'm old. (laughs) Uh, I totally, I totally understand that you're just laying there at nine o'clock and you're like, okay, time to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. It already comes early. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's probably a good place to, uh, to stop. I think uh, we gave uh, the folks out there something to look up. So yeah, no sugar, no grains, fitness confidential by Vinny Tortorich. Um, if you're going to do fasting, definitely check with a doctor to have that done and try not to do that on your own. That's, uh, I, I think people can get a little bit too crazy with the fasting sometimes, but, um, well, thanks Jill for uh, coming on. Uh, it, it was, uh, it was a blast. I hope uh, people will check you out on Instagram. That's at Jill, wait, wait, Jill on a journey. I got that right. right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's right. <laughs> Jill on a journey. Uh, Check out all of her stories on there. And uh, no, I was not crying. You were crying. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. Bye.